0: Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christians women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. Just want to say happy fall. I can't express enough how exciting it is to not feel like I'm melting every single time I go outside. I am in Texas though, so it's still in the 80s and even low 90s, but it still, it feels a lot better outside. It's actually almost magical, especially in the mornings. Now this fall, looks a little new for me as my family and I are finally living in an area my parents have been wanting to live in for like the last 10 years or so and I mean just freshly moved so it's kind of fun to look out at how the yearly season is changing and then also this season of our lives is changing and it's just cool to be able to have a physical representation of how I'm feeling reflected outside. So yeah, but all of this changes and everything is making time just fly right past me. And before I knew it, we were in the last few days of September and you know what that means. It means that it's time for September devotional. For this month's devotional, there was one verse in second Corinthians that was so encouraging that I knew that I wanted to talk about it this month. So buckle in for a quick word about hope renewal, and looking forward in faith. So without further ado, you can pop up in your Bibles, if you got it with you, to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, and it reads like this. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's pretty good. Let's get into what this can teach us today. Starting off at the beginning, notice that the verse begins with therefore, which invites us to look at the context of these verses. So what comes before the therefore? Let me sum up some of his main points right before this. One of the big ones is that there is freedom in Jesus Christ and in his Holy Spirit working in us. And with this freedom and this invitation basically is that we get to contemplate and be invited into God's glory, into relationship with him, and just to be in awe of him. And in the process of that, of when we accept that invitation, we become transformed into his likeness. People say that your personality is likely, largely, a combination of the personalities and characteristics of, say, around the five people that you hang out with the most, which is just to say that who you spend time around is going to tend to be who you imitate, even if you classify yourself as more of an influencer than an influencee. If you're living in the freedom of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit is living in you and you're spending time with him in his word or in prayer and in fellowship, then that means that you begin to look more like him. Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And with this transformation that a believer experiences, it sets them up to be able to handle difficulties in a different way than a non-believer can. There's this different kind of hope and strength associated with someone who's living in the freedom Christ provides, who has a different perspective on life and death and victory and defeats. In fact, the next big takeaway from the section before our therefore, at least for me, is in verses 7 to 9 when Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And this treasure that Paul talks about is referring to the power of God that lives inside us, us being the jars of clay. We face all of these things in our life, but we're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not abandoned. We're not destroyed. Our physical forms are ever taunted with death and hurt and despair, but Jesus's life is also being revealed in our mortal bodies, which means that while death is at work in the world, life is at work in us. And that's verses 11 through 12, basically, as I understand it. So now that this therefore has a little bit more of an oomph to it, let's go ahead and reread uh, chapter four, verses 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we do not lose heart, because we, we know that life is at work in us because we know Jesus has resurrection power and promises a place with him in heaven. We don't lose heart. Other translations say, so we don't lose courage. So we aren't depressed. We're not giving up. We are not daunted. There's nothing that can take away our future of eternity with our father in heaven. So what is there to be discouraged even in the midst of grief? So even though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We age, we feel aches and pains, we get sick, we're grieved, the world is broken, and there's just an ungraspable level of evil at work in the world. But inwardly, our inner man is being renewed by the Holy Spirit day by day. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is back on that transformational aspect of Christianity. And the encouraging part of that is not just in the fact that we're capable of transforming into more than we are currently, but that it is a daily process. In Luke 9:23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Daily, we follow Jesus, we choose Him above everything else, and that return for daily fellowship with our Savior is that we become more like the one that we're around. That's where the Holy Spirit has this free range to move in your life to renew you daily. And it's a gorgeous it's a gorgeous cycle of intimacy with God and becoming more like Him, and then growing closer to Him and then growing into a more ma- mature believer with greater intimacy and a stronger walk in your faith, and this transformation leads into the hope that we have. It grows our faith. And our faith reminds us that even in the heaviest and longest-lasting of our troubles, it's nothing compared to the eternal and unending glory awaiting us. And this transformation leads into the hope that we have. It grows our faith. And our faith reminds us that even in the heaviest and longest-lasting of our troubles, it's nothing compared to the eternal, unending glory that's awaiting us. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not on what is painful and physical and worldly or even tempting and desirable, but temporary and on what is unseen, the spirit of our perfect father, our secured futures of heaven and worship and righteousness and holiness and love and goodness, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It lasts forever and we are a people who live by faith and not by sight, because this world and everything we crave and desire is passing away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever and lives in that eternal goodness that right now we can't see, but one day we will live within. The trouble and hurt of this world makes us look beyond this life in hope of the next, and to stay on the encouragement that I feel in my heart, I want to read you Isaiah 35, which is prophesying of the coming of Jesus and the day of his kingdom when he arrives on earth to right every wrong and fix everything that we broke. Isaiah 35 reads like this, and it's titled Joy of the Redeemed, which I just think is awesome. So it says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. It's going to burst into bloom. it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon will be will see the glory of God, the splendor of our God. Now one's a lot of places and a lot of things, but it's base, but it's basically saying the desert is going to bloom. And all of these places and all of the glory of beautiful areas is going to see the glory of God. And it is going to become either more beautiful or it was ugly and it's going to become super beautiful. And then this goes on to being a little bit more easy to understand. It continues on in verse three and it says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come and he will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. "'Then will the eyes of the blind be opened "'and the ears of the deaf unstopped. "'Then will the lame leap like a deer "'and the mute tongue shout for joy. "'Water will gush forth in the wilderness "'and streams in the desert. "'The burning sand will become a pool.' The thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it, wicked fools will not go on about it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And that is a picture of heaven, and when everything that is broken will be righted and put back into the will of God. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who offers us such hope who is a God who desires greater intimacy with us, who wants to walk alongside us in this life. Jesus, thank you for offering us a glimpse at hope and of excitement for the world to come. Jesus, thank you for reminding us constantly in your word that not only are we not alone, but there are better days ahead. That in every single thing that has been upset in this world from sin and evil and hurt and pain, from the things that humans have broke, God, and the things that the enemy has antagonized. Jesus, thank you so much for being someone who gives us gives us glimpse of heaven, who gives us glimpses of places where there will be no blind who cannot see or deaf who cannot hear or hurting that are still crying their tears, Jesus, but that you will wipe every tear from our eyes and you will bring us to a place of beauty, a home for us, a place of worship and goodness, an absence of darkness and that is fueled by your light. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us a hope. Thank you so much for building our faith, for requesting that we draw near to you and giving us that choice so that you may draw near to us. And Jesus, I pray for every single one listening to this, God, that you build us up within us, a cycle of faith where we are renewing and being renewed by the Holy Spirit each day so that it's easier to pick up the cross and follow you. And in return, it renews us and it builds us up further. Jesus, I pray for this constant cycle of greater intimacy with you and walking better according to your law and greater intimacy and growing closer to you and looking more like the Father that created us. Jesus, we love you. We pray for a week of growing closer to you, and we thank you for every way that you have been moving in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, as for additional readings, I only have a few mentioned, but they're whole chapters. So I figured I'd keep it short. I really encourage reading the entirety of second Corinthians four through five. It can be a little bit difficult, but if you break it down with some Bible studies, it helps a lot. And there's just a lot of truths within there that are really encouraging. And then another one is Romans 12. I love Romans 12. I always encourage reading Romans 12 and I'm going to encourage it again this week. And then first John three, I think is really awesome after reading those two. So yeah, that's it. Thank you for joining in as God is constantly teaching me new things. And feel free to reach out on any of my social media platforms if you have questions, you want to talk, or you have a prayer request. Remember that God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye. (music)